you this this uh, this past. I want to say the last couple of weeks. It wasn't just in the past week, but a few weeks ago, we received a message from someone in our community who had happened into a a an antique thrift store in Oklahoma City, in the, in the Plaza District in Oklahoma City, a place called Retro KC. And this person that doesn't go to our church but lives in Chickasha saw a picture there in that store, and they thought that we would want to know about that. And so they sent us a message and said, hey, there's this picture in this antique store, and I don't know, you guys may want to know about this. We had been planning, we had been working on and planning different things related to our 125th birthday celebration. We had been planning for this morning and some things that we want to do. And, and in fact, if you receive, if you're a member of our church and you receive the Baptist messenger with the, the, the wrap, the cover that we provide that is printed on that, then you've already read this week about the fact that we are introducing a new campaign of sorts that we're calling My Legacy. And the purpose behind My Legacy is we want to give the people of First Baptist Church the opportunity to share the stories of your legacy as it relates to First Baptist Church. Your part of being in this church and a part of the life of this church and how this church has impacted you and how it's impacted your family and how you hope that through you and through what God is doing that for for years to come, that legacy may continue into the future. And, And an important part of that is just simply sharing the stories of what it is that God has done and the stories of what he has how, I should say, he has used First Baptist Church to impact our lives. And so, this morning, in a moment, we're going to hear a few testimonies, and it really what that does is it opens the door because we want to hear your story and your testimony. And so you're going to find that if you were to exit out either of these doors that are behind me into the hallway behind the choir room. So if you were to exit, you can go either direction, right? Out the the west or the east door. If you were to make your way to the hallway on the other side of the choir room, there are several bulletin boards. One of those bulletin boards has largely painted on it the words, my legacy. And there are several signups on that bulletin board. And this is what we want. Beginning after Christmas and over the next several months, this is a project that we think is going to take some time. We want to record your testimony of how God has used First Baptist Church in your life to impact you, to impact your family, and through you, how we believe he will continue to work to impact future generations. And so we want to ask you, if you would be willing, to sit in a chair in front of a camera and let us record you talking about your legacy as it relates to First Baptist Church. And over the next several months, as we begin to amass these, these testimonies and these stories, we're going to begin to use them. We'll be able to use them to share with our church. On Sundays, you'll see, we're going to create a website where we post these videos of the legacy of First Baptist Church reaching into the lives of people in Chickasha and ultimately to the ends of the world. Now back to the story I was sharing with you a minute ago. In this store in Oklahoma City was a picture of First Baptist Church. And interestingly enough, the guy who had it didn't even realize what it was. This is the architect's original rendering of this sanctuary. And it says at the bottom, there's a small plate that you may or may not be able to see. It says, First Baptist Church completed in 1977. And it was just hanging out 
and Retro OKC. And I went in the store that week. It was a week ago Saturday. I went in and, and I said, I'm here about a picture of a church. And he said, oh yeah, I think I know the one that you're talking about. And he took me to this picture and he began to tell me a little bit about the story of this picture. He had purchased it in an estate sale last spring, the owner of this store. And he didn't know where it was because it doesn't actually say Chickasha anywhere on it. It just says First Baptist Church completed in 1977. And so... He said, do you know what church that is? I said, as a matter of fact, I do. <laughs> That's the First Baptist Church of Chickasha. And he said, well, do you, do you like go there or something? And I said, well, as a matter of fact, I do. I'm the pastor of the First Baptist Church in Chickasha. And he said, oh, well, you probably really want the picture then. And I said, <laughs> you know what? I do. And so we bought this picture and we brought it home. And that was the way he put it. He said, well, I'm glad to see that the picture is going home. And I said, believe me, I am too. So we brought it home. It needs a little bit of work. You can tell that it's kind of, uh, it's, it's in a little bit of ill repair here. But we're going to get it worked on. We're going to get it fixed up. And then we will be able to hang this. This was from, as I've said already, the architect who drew the plans for the building. This was from uh, his estate. Now, I don't know exactly how it ended up in this particular sale, if it was the, the architect's estate or somebody else and it had landed there. We don't know the whole backstory, but this was purchased in an estate sale. And there were a couple of other drawings of other pictures by the same architect as well. And so this one has finally come home and it's going to hang on the walls and we'll be, able to, uh, we'll be able to look at it and it'll be a neat story for us to tell. But here's part of the reason why I wanted to bring that out this morning and, and show it off. One, we're just kind of proud of it, kind of excited for it to be here. But also, secondly, because probably in your home, there may be any number of great old artifacts, if I can use that word kind of loosely, related to First Baptist Church. You may have all sorts of things in your house that that in some way tell the story of First Baptist Church. And this is what I want to say to you. Uh, for as long as you want them, they're yours, right? They're yours, of course. But if you would, please, someday, when you're done with them, send them home. Because we would love to amass a, a collection to curate, if I can, again, use that word somewhat loosely, we would love to curate a collection of First Baptist artifacts. And we've actually already begun this for some time now. We've been collecting old First Baptist things. And the plan is, over time, to develop a very neat, a very attractive way to display and show off some of these First Baptist things. But the centerpiece of this display will be the video testimonies, the My Legacy testimonies that we plan to collect over the coming months. Because as much as we love this building and as much as we're thankful for this space and all of the resources that God has given us that are tools as we see them to do kingdom work, the truth is that First Baptist Church is not bricks and mortar. It's not this place. 324 West Colorado is not First Baptist Church. We are First Baptist Church. The people of this church are the church. And in the same way that 125 years ago, a small group of believers met and began the First Baptist Church, we are still here today. And the reason we're still here today is because the generations that have gone before us have handed the baton to us. And if you think of this as a, a great relay race that we are running, from generation to generation, the baton has been passed. And today... It's been passed to us. 
And it's been tasked to us that in this season, in this time, that we would run well the race that is set before us. And someday, when our time is through, we will hand the baton to others. And until Jesus comes again, until his second advent, we will continue by God's grace to follow the, the purpose and the mission that he has set before us as a church. So that if First Baptist Church is still here in 125 years because Jesus hasn't come to take us home yet, then still in 125 years when they celebrate the 250th birthday of First Baptist Church, we will continue as a, as a, as a church, they, they will continue to run in the legacy of faith that has been handed to them by us in the same way that others who have gone before us have handed it to us. And we all have a part to play. And that is our legacy. This morning I've asked three people who have been, uh, who have been in their own ways, each of them central to the life of this church for some time, to, to share a testimony of their legacy, how, how God has used First Baptist Church in their life. And so I want to I invite them to join me on stage now. Betty Denton, April Kyle, Corey Kirkland are each going to come and they're going to sit here with me this morning and we're going to hear from them. And as they're coming, let me say this. Honestly, this was a really difficult decision for me about who do we, who do we use and, and who do we ask? Corey, you may want to help Betty up there. This was a really difficult decision for me because the truth is there were literally hundreds of people to choose from in this. I mean, I, I could have chosen from a wealth of people. And I know that the stories we would have received would have been rich and, and, and in many ways would have been just as good as what we're about to hear. And that's why we want to do the videos is because it, it would be almost impossible for us to try in one setting to share all of these stories. And so we hope to be able to do this over time. But as I prayed about it, and I just asked God simply, Lord, would you just lay on my heart, who would be the people that I should ask to share the story? The folks behind me, or the folks I should say with me really, are the ones that, that God laid on my heart. And so this is what I, I've asked them to do. I have asked them just to share with us from their own perspective, through their, own, through their own experiences, how God has used First Baptist Church of Chickasha to impact their life and their family, and how God has worked through the ministry of this church to shape and mold their life. And Betty, would you share with us first? I think, I think it's, on. it's Is it on. on. Is it on? Okay. In 1965, the Dentons moved to Chickasha. That was a long time ago. Dick and I were several pounds lighter, and our hair was, it's changed colors over the years. But we were just a young couple, a hardware salesman, his wife, and five-year-old little boy moved to Chickasha. We found a little rent house over on 16th Street and moved in, and then we began to think about a church. And because we had... Uh, both grown up in church. We knew how important it was to attend church, but we were not going to come to this big First Baptist Church down on 4th and Colorado. It was too big for us. We were looking for a church that preached the gospel and one that had programs for our son. And uh, so we began visiting smaller churches in town, which we enjoyed. And one day, Dick came home from work, and he said, Betty, um, a Mr. Bob Rose, who uh, 
has a lumber yard downtown. One of his customers was a deacon at the First Baptist Church. And he said that they have a new pastor and he wants us to visit. And uh, he said, I'd like to go. So Sunday morning came around and reluctantly we came to First Baptist Church. The preacher was amazing. And we loved the music too. So we found ourselves coming back here, visiting regularly. And um, one Sunday, and we had had no previous discussion at all, the preacher gave the invitation. I looked at Dick, Dick looked at me, and we both heard that little voice telling us that this was our church. So we joined First Baptist Church, and I'm so glad we did. That was a long time ago, and we're still here. Uh, Every Sunday, we weren't here every Sunday, but through the years, the gospel has been preached at this church. I think we've been through seven or eight different preachers, and uh, some we liked better than others. Uh (laughs) But... uh, That's good. But they all preached the gospel, and God had called them here, and we learned from each one of them, and we had some of the very best preachers that you'd ever hear. Uh, We were loved by this fellowship, all three of us, and we were ministered to in uh, the hard times and in the good times. Uh, we were given an opportunity to serve. You know, you were asked to teach Sunday school classes, work in vacation Bible school. Dick went on a mission trip. Hunter, uh, Hunter, I say Hunter, Craig uh, even had the college departments when he was in college. But anyway, we felt very welcome. We were included when they were having anything, a cottage prayer meeting or something. They would call us and, are you coming to our house? We were really enjoying and loving First Baptist Church, and we were growing in the Lord, too. Dick was um, ordained as a deacon soon after that. Our son had some wonderful teachers here, some of the very best from preschool through college. He was saved, baptized, married a girl in this church, and he later became a deacon also. What if we hadn't listened to that little voice that day that told us to join First Baptist Church? We would have missed 14 years of working with the young married couples in this church. Many of you are here today. And your children and grandchildren are here. But we would have missed that. And then we would have missed 16 years working when Dick taught in the chapel class. That was such a blessing. We love all those people also. And then I wouldn't be here today celebrating and worshiping with this wonderful staff that we have, this young, I mean young staff. (laughs) But we we love them. And you know what? The gospel is still being preached. And you see what kind of a youth program we have this morning. That's what we were looking for 52 years ago. 
it's still here. And I just tell you, if you're thinking about joining First Baptist Church and you hear that little voice, don't ignore it. It may be the Lord because he placed us here 52 years ago. That's good. Thank you. That's fine. No. When you're short like me, you feel better when you stand. Okay. Uh, my name is April Severe Kyle, and my family is a fourth generation family of First Baptist Church. Sorry. Uh, my grandparents, uh, normally Norma and Gaylord Knowles, and Virginia and Jody Severe, attended church here during the time R.C. Miller was pastor. My parents, Linda Knowles Severe and Larry Severe, grew up here in this church even in the church nursery together, and were married here by Dr. Sullivan. My brother, Todd Sphere, and I grew up in this church, eating meals on Wednesday nights, attending choir practice, GAs and RAs, and of course, Sunday school every Sunday. Our time was during the Mart Harden years, and toward the end of high school, Larry Thompson was our pastor. My sons, Jeremy, Austin, and Braden, grew up with Brother Johnny Timms as their preacher, and now Pastor Michael, yay. How has this church impacted me? <laughs> this is going to be tough to narrow it down. Uh, besides my parents and grandparents devoting so much of their lives to their church family, I have personally been impacted in so many ways. From the day I was born, I knew I was loved and prayed over by members of this church. I had a breathing issue when I was born on a Wednesday morning, and they were afraid I may not live or I would live with a lot of health problems. So by Wednesday evening, I was being prayed over at the prayer meeting here. When I was saved at age seven and people came up to me and hugged me and loved on me, many of them told me that same story. I'm so thankful for the love here. Music has always been important to me and Kathy Mooring was the director and teacher of our children's music ministry here during the mid 70s and early 80s. She was the Becky Gordon of our time. She and Ann Hooper corralled first through sixth graders and taught us songs, and we put on quite elaborate musicals. Well, I loved this and hanging out with all the FBC kids. I especially loved when she challenged us on Sunday nights to memorize 20 hymnals from, 20 hymns from the hymnal, and she set marks. So after five hymns, you got a prize, and after 10, you got a prize. And if you know anything about me, I'm very competitive, so I was always the first one to get yeah. it. And I, I kept the gold pencil the main prize for many years. I, I think I might even still have it at the dance studio. But um, uh, her impact on me was huge. And each time I sing It Is Well With My Soul or Come Thou Found of Every Blessing, I'm reminded of her faithfulness to, faithfulness to us kids. She was, she's great. Uh, when I was a teenager, a new youth minister came on the scene named Daryl Blaine. We all called him Doc. I'm, I'm not sure why. Of course, you all may know him as John and Debbie Rogers' brother-in-law, but at that time, he and his future wife, Lisa, were just barely dating. It was during that time I began asking God lots of questions and began reading scripture and praying about my future. I was trying to decide when my, what my career would be and who I should be dating. Well, the summer I was 16, I went to Falls Creek and rededicated my life. I decided I wanted to pursue the performing arts and possibly teach, I also met a guy named Jeff Kyle that summer, and through much prayer and seeking God, I decided I might, might want to marry him. So in 1992, that's just what we did here at this church, Ed Sassnett uh, from Norman, Jeff's pastor in my college years, 
pastor married us, but a new guy was the preacher then, and we asked him to say a prayer at our wedding. Uh, that was Kevin Clarkson. And uh, our three sons were born here and raised here. They each had their baby dedication, asked Jesus into their hearts, were baptized in the same baptistry that I was baptized in. Like their Uncle Todd and me, they too spent Sundays and Wednesdays running around the church and participating in the music program and the fine arts school and attended Sunday school with some of the very best teachers that, that I know and love and just I treasure them to this day. Uh, Brother Johnny, Jamie Killian, Jared Lee, Mark Jones, Bill Bergstrom made a huge impact on my family as my sons grew up here. And as they grew older, Pastor Michael and, and, and Doug and, and Brad have also encouraged my sons in so many ways. I'm so thankful for that. My sons were prayed over. We all were. My sons were loved on. We all were. And they attended vacation Bible schools every summer, cross timbers, and Falls Creek, and they received a solid foundation. So as they venture out into adulthood, they know they are loved and prayed for and have God's word and God's people to support them, an extended family that they will always feel close to. I keep using words like home and family, two very intimate words that we take for granted when we put church in front of them. After a busy day, we like to go home and spend time with our family. Well, that is what I do here at my church home. You guys are a part of my family, and I'm a part of yours. As my dad described to me again this week about how the tabernacle was built during Chriswell's time here and then enclosed, then the East Wing became a temporary auditorium while they were building the sanctuary, I'm reminded once again it isn't the place, it's the people. That's exactly what you said earlier. Uh, this building has changed in so many ways over the years. It isn't these rooms or, or, or this pulpit or whether this thermostat is set just right. It's the unconditional love of the people that stands out to me more than anything else. You've accepted me and loved me through the good, the bad, and the ugly of my life. All the good times, me growing up here, being saved and baptized, wedding showers, our marriage, baby showers, the fall festivals, the Thanksgivings, the living Christmas trees, the Easter programs. I mean, wow, the list goes on and on. And, and all the bad times, too, the illnesses and, and deaths of my grandparents, my brother and my mother. If you think you get a lot of food when you have a baby, it quadruples when you lose a loved one. And it's such a huge blessing because that was a time I knew my family was taken care of when, when I just couldn't. And the ugly times in my life. I don't, I don't like to mention those, but I'm not always at my best. My heart can be self-centered, and I have been discouraged and scared and angry. And it can get pretty ugly. <laughs> I'm thankful for my family of believers who prays for me through those times and gives me encouraging words. You love me and you make me feel safe. Now that is the body of believers being Christ's hands and feet and that is what this church is best at, unconditional love and unending prayers. Galatians 6, 9 and 10 says, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people especially those who belong to the family of believers. I know I've only been a part of First Baptist Church for 45 years, but in its 125 years, it seems to have always had love and people as its mission. I pray that continues for many generations. Amen. It's probably in everyone's best interest if I don't stand up, because then I might start preaching. Uh, Michael called me 
and, and said, I'd like for you to talk a few minutes about, uh, about what, what our church has meant to you and your family. I said, well, how many hours do I get? Because yeah. I could tell stories that are really funny and stories that are really serious and stories that will make you cry uh, about how this is my favorite place. I absolutely love our church, the people, and all the things that God has done right here. And I just want to kind of share a few of the highlights. First and foremost to me, the most precious memory that, that I have uh, of this church is I got the awesome privilege of baptizing my son, Cade, in that baptistry. And there will never be a moment in my life that I remember like that moment when he and I got to pray together and and walk into those waters, and I got to see him make his commitment to faith public and, and got to see the way that that's changed his life since. And that's, that's my favorite spot in the world because of that, and that's awesome. Uh, this church, when we moved to Chickasha, I was just out of law school and got a job in the DA's office here and commuted till we finally bought a house, and, and we came here and was talking to a friend at the courthouse. And we planned to visit... All the Baptist churches, in order, they are from our house. And this was the furthest Baptist church from our house. But then the first, first week we were in town, one of my buddies at the courthouse said, just go to First Baptist. That's where you need to be anyway. I said, but you're a Methodist. And he said, sometimes I wish I wasn't when I see, your, when I see that church. It's that awesome. He said, I promise you, they're just alive. God is just, just doing awesome stuff there. So we trusted him, and we came, and he was right. And... and and uh, kind of like you, Betty, we saw the children's ministry, and that really excited us. Not long after we joined the church, I, my boss lost an election. I lost my job, and we were trying to figure out what to do, and we just really felt drawn to this community because we felt like God had some purpose for us to fit in this church, and that's why we decided to stay in Chickasha, and people in the church reached out to us and made that a possibility Phil opened up his law firm and, uh, with, with Bob Hayes and, and gave us a way to stay in town, and amazing things happened. And we still hadn't been here very long, though. And God began to place an incredible burden on Elizabeth and I for the college students in our community. One day, Jamie Killian called me and said, hey, I know you don't have a job right now. Let's go witness at the college. I said, Sure. So we went to USAO, and we just literally just walked up to people on benches and shared the gospel. And the first person we talked to just burst into tears and said, I found this track on the ground, and I read it, and I prayed this prayer, and I don't know what I did, and I don't understand. And so we got to talk about what it means to accept Jesus and how that changes her life. And she says, wait right here. i got to go get some people. And she runs in the dorm, and she brings some other people. And, and we all sit down, and we have this incredible conversation about the gospel and as we walked away, I told Jamie, I'm just so burdened. I just so, so want to establish a ministry on campus. I want to reach these people, answer these questions, show God's love. And he said, well, why don't you? We started teaching the college Sunday school class, and, and pretty quickly some students got together with Liz, Elizabeth at our house for a Bible study, and it was all girls, so I wasn't involved in it to begin with. And kind of grew a little bit, and I ended up getting involved. And, and before you knew it, we started having to move all the furniture out of our living room on Wednesday nights because there weren't enough seats if we left the couches. 
had to sit on the floor. And that's pretty cool. But Elizabeth was cooking food and doing all this stuff, and it was overwhelming. And then all of a sudden, over and over again, people from the church started reaching out, saying, can we help you? Can we bring a meal? Can we, can we bring, Carmen and Cindy said, can we start bringing a meal every month? And all these things happen. About a year goes by, Jerry Montinger stops me at the grocery store and said, I think that building the church has would be a great place for the haven. You could even call it the haven. Uh, I don't know. It's a lot of work. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you in trouble here. I called Michael and said, Jerry suggested we use that building. And Michael said, the horrible building? <laughs> no, it's bad. <laughs> but we went over and looked at it, and Elizabeth said, this is perfect. And that was the beginning of June. We voted on a Sunday night to give the funds in advance, just in faith, that people would give and donate. And by, everything, by the time everything was ready to start, it was June the 14th, I believe, and when we started college that next semester, at the end of July, the last Sunday in July, we had a, a dedication for the Haven building. It was 100% completed, 100% paid for, 100% ready to go. Six weeks after our church jumped on board and said, let's meet that need. And over and over and over again, our church has just been so supportive. And it's been incredible, whether through our church tours program for our ski trip or our haven houses or just people showing up to help and drive buses and meet needs and be there for finances and to pray and support and to mentor. It's been unbelievable the way everyone has jumped in and helped so many students come to know Christ and helped so many students who, who knew Christ and were involved in churches in high school continue to walk with the Lord and learn how to make that transition into adulthood while being active in church. And it's been so awesome. And the verse that I thought of when Michael called me just immediately, and I hope I don't butcher it here, but it's 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 8. And this is pretty close to a quote. I may get a few lines wrong. But it says this. And so he who plants and he who waters are equal, and they will each be awarded according to their labor for we are all co-workers with God. And the thing that is exciting about this church and the reason we wanted to join back eight years ago and the reason we have been so excited every day to come here is because we are all co-workers with God. And I have never been to a place that everyone is so excited and so willing to do what they can do to help with what God is already doing because we're his co-workers. And I can't wait to see what we're still doing with God in another 125 years, I'm probably going to have to be looking at that from heaven unless some kind of doctor does, is a co-worker with God too and does something amazing. <laughs> but I can't wait to see what happens as we continue to be co-workers with God. And it is so exciting. And I want to thank each of you so much for being our church and being such a blessing to our family. Thank you. Amen. Yeah. So... Thank you, each of you, for sharing. I, I, I greatly appreciate that and your willingness to do that. Yeah, you just leave the microphone on the chair there and it'll 
it'll be okay. And as they, as they make their way to their seats, this is what I want to say, okay? This is what I want you to hear. This, everything you've heard, the stories, the testimonies, all of it, honestly, just scratches the surface of what God has done. Because for 125 years, this church has been here in this spot, impacting lives, ministering the gospel. And the truth of the matter is that these stories that you've heard this, this morning, these testimonies have been a an incredible sermon that has been preached to you of what God has done and what God wants to continue to do through the life of this church. Now, here's what I don't want you to think. I don't want you to think that we staged all of this as a big commercial about why you ought to join First Baptist Church. Ask them. I didn't ask any of them to say anything about why people should join First Baptist Church. That was not the plan. The plan is to celebrate what God has done and what he's going to continue to do. But the truth of the matter is you can't talk about what God has done in this church without saying something like, you know what? If you aren't a part of a church like this, you should be a part of, why not this one, right? That, that if, if God isn't already working through you in some other place, in some other body where he's planted you, then why not be a part of the life of this church? I was set to preach out of Mark chapter 6 this morning. I'm not going to do that because, uh, honestly, because what you just heard was a better sermon than the one I had prepared anyway. And so uh, I'm not going to try to top that. But I do want to take us back to the Scripture. And I do want to point us to one place. And this is not on your notes. This is not on the screens or any of that. You'll hear next Sunday morning, you'll hear about Jesus feeding the 5,000 from Mark chapter 6. And it's a great sermon. Uh, I, I kidded about how it wasn't that good, but really it's a great sermon because it's a great text to preach. But there's a passage in First Thessalonians. There's a passage in First Thessalonians that talks about sharing life together. And I want to read this to you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. And it says, So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. Being affectionately desirous of you. We don't talk that way a lot, right? We, I, I don't... I can't remember the last time that I told someone, I'm affectionately desirous of you, right? But you know what that means? That means because we love each other, because we love each other, because we are, because we are bound together with affection, with the love that God has given us. He says, we were ready to share not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves. You know, what happens is when we surrender our lives to Christ, two important marriages of sorts happen. And marriage that we have on this earth is intended to be a picture of this union that takes place. First and foremost, when we ask Christ to be Lord and Savior of our life, we are united together with him in, in a bond of fellowship and a bond of love that cannot be broken. We are united together with Christ. The scriptures teach us that again and again. I would appoint you most clearly to Ephesians chapter 4 that talks about this. But secondly, and also importantly, another important marriage of sorts happens. And that is not only does God unite us together with, with Jesus, our Savior, but he gives us to each other as the church, as the body. 
And we are given to one another that we may walk through life together, that we may share life with one another, that we may lean on each other, that our sorrows may be shared and that our joys may be multiplied. We are given to one another in a way that we become more than just friends, more than just, more than just neighbors, more than just people who go to church together. We become family, the family of God that we are given to one another to share life together in the bond of Christ. And because of that, we, we share in this bond of love and affection, and we're ready not only to share the gospel, which is, the gospel is what unites us, we understand. That's like the glue that binds us together, but also to share our very lives. And if we want to think of it this way, if you want to think of the gospel as the skeleton, it's the bones, then the, sharing our lives together is the flesh on the bones, right? It's what gives life. It's what gives meaning. It's what gives unique purpose, unique character to this bond that God has given us through the church. And I'm not going to tell you that First Baptist Chickasha is the only church getting it done. I'm not going to tell you that we're the only church that, that does it well or any of that, because honestly, it's not true at all. We are not a perfect church, but by God's grace, we're a faithful church. We're a church full of people that love God and love each other. And just as there are many other churches that are faithfully doing the same, I can say of this church that we have purposed to use everything God has given us, every resource, every person, every facility, every dollar, everything that God has entrusted to our hands to leverage that for his kingdom, that he may work in us and through us to see people one to faith in Jesus Christ, not only in Chickasha, but throughout our area, Grady County, state of Oklahoma, United States, and ultimately to the ends of the earth. And if 125 years from now, if we're all looking down from heaven, as Corey mentioned, and we're all seeing what's happening at the 250th celebration of First Baptist Church, what I believe will be true is that the people that God has entrusted with this now, in this season, will hand it off faithfully to others who will be given charge to run and when their time is through, to hand it off to others. And when their time is through, to hand it to others. And so on. So that until Jesus comes, this place, this spot, Fourth in Colorado, will be a place where people will hear the message of Jesus. And we want to do everything within our means, everything within our power, everything within our ability in the time that we've been given. That God may work in us, and through us to reach our city, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this morning, frankly, if you want to be a part of a church like that, and you aren't already a part of a church that's doing that, then I want to encourage you in a moment when we have our invitation that you would come and that you would join First Baptist Church. There may be some things that we have to work out as far as, uh, you know, we talk to uh, another church that you've been a part of in the past and we transfer your letter. Maybe you've never been baptized and we need to talk about baptism or maybe there are other things. We can visit. We can that, understand. Those are, the, those are the details. We can work on the details. But if God is speaking to you, if he's stirring in your heart, then I want to challenge you today. If the Lord has spoken with that little voice that Betty described, that you would make First Baptist your church home. Secondly, and, and I think actually, in order of priority, what's more important is that you would understand that if God's speaking to you today and he's telling you that you need to give your life to Jesus so that you can become a part of this thing that's always been missing in your life, the church, 
And I want to challenge you that you would make today the day that you surrender your heart and your life to Jesus. And during our time of invitation, our staff will be here at the front. We would love to pray with you about how you can do that, how you can surrender your life to Christ, how you can make him Lord and Savior of your life. You can entrust your ways to him and you can take up the mantle, start running with the baton so that God may use you in whatever season of life you're in, whatever place he's positioned you, that he may use you and all that he's entrusted you, you might share the love of Christ with others around you and they too may see and believe in the only one who can truly set us free, the one who came on that first Christmas morning to give his life for us as a ransom for our sin. So in a moment, I'm gonna lead us in a word of prayer and then we're gonna have a time of response. And in that time of response, if God is speaking, I wanna challenge you that you would listen and that you would obey his voice today, that you would come. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you that you have given us to one another. God, through the bond of the, the Holy Spirit given to us when we trusted in you by faith, you have knit our lives together so that we aren't just a church, we're a family. A family, in the name of Jesus. A family who together as, as heirs in Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ, can spend our lives chasing after this mission, this purpose that you've set before us, that we may love you and we may show that love to others. And so God, speak to us now. Move in our hearts, in our lives. God, stir in our midst this morning. We want to respond in faithfulness and obedience to you as you prompt us and as you move in our lives so that we might walk by faith in the path that you've set before us. And so move in our midst, we, we ask of you now, God. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. So we stand together to sing this song of invitation this morning. Our altars are open.